Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. I'm here with my friend and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. We run for about a half hour. And it is a program that we started doing when we were able to figure out how to use this technology <laughs> because we both had done pet loss support groups for a long time, Nancy for a very long time, 30 plus years. And I've done programs for a, a little more than 12 years at this point. And we compiled everything we learned through that experience into a book. It's called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And you can get that at Amazon. And there's a link in the description if you'd like to go there and take a look at it. And this is a way for us to reach a broader audience. So we welcome the opportunity to be with you and we ask you to participate with us. So please don't hesitate to send us your questions, your suggestions for topics, your suggestions for guests. We've had a few guests on and they've all been great suggestions by audience, uh, audience members. You can reach me at Ken DDV, that's Ken D as in David, D as in David, V as in Victor, at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at N Saxton Lopez at csmpc.com. That's N S A X T O N L O P E Z at csmpc.com. If you send us a story, please let us know if it would be okay to share it on the podcast. And we understand if it's not, if it's not, then fine. that's fine. We'll respond to you. We'll give you our best mm -hmm. thoughts. But if you would allow us to share it, we find that this is really beneficial Very for, helpful. for people who hear it because they always there are always people who whose own stories resonate with the ones mm -hmm. that you share with us. So please do consider allowing us to share. You mm -hmm. can also support this program if you so desire, through Venmo, through PayPal. You can also be a monthly subscriber and all the information on how to do that is in the description. It also would be helpful to others and certainly to us if you subscribed on YouTube because if you subscribe on YouTube, that affects the algorithm, the algorithm in a way that when people are looking for this kind of a program, the Pet Loss Companion is going to be higher on the list of resources for them. So if you find this program helpful, it would be great if you would take a moment and subscribe on YouTube because it'll help the program to get uh, to get to more people. The program is also a friend of Dakin Humane Society, which is a, an animal welfare association in central Massachusetts in Springfield. And you can learn more about Dakin at D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E org. This information is in the description as well. And one thing I'd like to point out to you is that Dakin is good enough to sponsor a Zoom mm -hmm. cost-free pet loss support group once a month. It's usually on the second Tuesday of the month at 6 o'clock p.m. Runs from 6 to 7.30. I facilitate that meeting. And the next one is next Tuesday, mm -hmm. which is the 13th. It runs from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern, and you can 
RSVP at the link that's provided in the description, and there is no cost. I want to stress that there is no cost, and you can also join from anywhere, and I do mean anywhere because we've had people all over the all world, the U.S. and other places in the world. So it's an interesting collection of people who will be on that on that program, and it's an opportunity to share and to hear directly from others and and to get some thoughts that will undoubtedly be useful for you. So I'll stop there and Nancy, you can get us going. We have gotten a lot of mail, yeah, which is really great in the context of, as Ken said, we believe that writing the story out of your beloved animal and sharing that with others, if you choose, is very healing. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's very important to be able to move all of those feelings out. And it's also important for everyone who's listening because as Ken said, it really resonates with a lot of people's stories. And so we have two tonight um, that we hope to get to both because we have Kara and Frankie and we're gonna start with that one. But Kara has, she had a very long email which is absolutely fine does not matter to us how long it is. Um, and we're also looking at Brittany, and we hope we're saying it, it's Mia. I hope it's not Maya, but <laughs> Brittany uh, and Maya. And so I'm going to start right away reading uh, Tara's wonderful story, heartbreaking and heartwarming story about her beautiful Karen Terrier, Frankie. And very, very we're right there, Frankie. Oh, what a sweet little boy. He's such a sweet little boy. Um, so I'm going to read for a while and then Ken's going to read for a while. <laughs> Dear Ken and Nancy, I cannot express how grateful I am for your podcast and your listeners who have shared their stories. I was so lucky to have found it right after my beautiful Frankie passed away five weeks ago. Every day since his passing, I've listened to at least one or two episodes, sometimes more. Your podcast has become a part of my new daily routine, helping me to learn about the tumultuous nature of grief and guilt. Your kind and practical words have made this unbearable loss bearable. If you feel any part of my experience would be helpful for others, I would be honored for you to share it. As with your other listeners, our dog Frankie was more than just a dog. My husband and I adopted him through Cairn Terrier Rescue USA in New Jersey when he was just four months old. We were immediately smitten. He was with us when we got married, when my grandmother and my husband's parents passed away, when our son joined our family. He moved to California with us, taking at least 14 round-trip flights between California and New York. He was so quiet the entire journey. People on the flight would be surprised when he'd pop his head out of his carrier at the end of the flight, saying they didn't even know there was a dog across the aisle. He inspired me to take a dog training course to become a certified pet dog trainer and to start a meetup group so he would have other Cairns to play with. How wonderful is that? In typical Cairn Terrier fashion, he was a big dog and a little dog's body. He gave us immeasurable love and laughter over the years. When he was diagnosed with Cushing's disease in April of 2020 and then had a seizure and was diagnosed with diabetes in July of 2020, we were falling all over ourselves to help him. In the end, I believe our overzealousness helping ultimately killed him. 
January 2022, Frankie had another set of seizures. We had him examined by a neurologist to put him on anti-seizure medication. By this time, he was on trilosane, insulin, Optimune for dry eye, Benzapril for kidney disease, and now Keppra for seizures. He was such a little fighter who was slower, but still as spunky and loving. In July of 2022, I noticed he was having trouble getting up off the floor. He'd bark for help, and we would lift him um, uh, to his paws, and then he'd be able to walk to wherever he wanted to go. We started bringing him to acupuncture. It didn't seem to help. We continued with the series of treatments we signed up for. Just towards the end of his treatments in September, he started eating less and less. It turned out that his kidney levels were increasing, and the vet was concerned that his kidney disease was progressing. We decided with the vet to put him on a special kidney food. On Friday, September 30th, about a week after his kidney diet began, Frankie was especially peppy. I even caught him digging in the garden, something he hadn't done for years. I gave him a bath that morning as he was joyfully muddy with clumps of grass stuck to his, in his paws. After his bath, he pranced over to his bed and rolled around to dry himself off. I felt so hopeful and optimistic, thinking his new diet was helping. By that Monday, his energy levels seemed to take a big dip. He was struggling even more to get up off the ground and was occasionally shuddering and trembling. I made an appointment with the vet. The earliest that they had was for the next day, Tuesday, October 4th. She gave him a B12 shot and did some acupuncture. The next day, he was sleepy and struggling, but he was always sleepy the day after acupuncture, so I didn't think anything of it. The morning of Thursday, October 6th, he was having great difficulty standing just to eat his breakfast and took all of his strength to stand to go to the bathroom. I called the vet and they told me to bring him in that afternoon. I also called his neurologist who said to not delay and bring him through the ER to avoid irreversible damage. I figure that I'd keep the appointment with the vet since I'd already made it and I wanted to know what she thought given she knew him. I still planned to go to the ER after, so the neurologist could see, also see him. After she examined him, she said there was nothing wrong and that he was just now a handicapped dog who'd need help getting around. She gave me no information or explanation. I asked, what about the pain and were there any treatments? She started rattling off things like she was reading out of a textbook, but not giving any actual solution or treatment plan other than suggesting I buy a sling to help him get around. I stopped listening out of irritation with how casual and nonspecific she was and thought the ER will help him. I'll not go into all the upsetting details with the ER, but essentially I arrived at the ER at 4 p.m. and walked in the car with him. Um, until they finally brought him in at 5 p.m. It was not till around 9.30 p.m. that anyone would speak with us to give us any information about Frankie. I was beside myself at that point because of the lack of information and terrible communication. I'd called several times, and I was getting zero information. Twice I considered pulling him from the ER, but I literally told myself to be patient. Do not let your frustration be the reason Frankie is not treated or helped. They kept him overnight for monitoring. 
The next day, we heard from the ortho specialist who said he also suspected a herniated disc. He said if we had any chance of preventing irreversible damage, that we would need to do the MRI and possible surgery. He said that based on Frankie's visit, vitals, there was a 95% chance that he would be fine under the anesthesia. He gave us about an hour to decide whether to do it. Our Frankie was just five weeks away from his 15th birthday. I knew from prior vets and other dog owners the warnings and dangers of anesthesia in older dogs, not to mention older dogs with all the health issues that our Frankie had. Yet, even so, after talking with a specialist, my husband and I told him to go ahead with the MRI and, if needed, the surgery. I went against my own instinct and agreed to the procedure. Ultimately, Frankie did not recover from the anesthesia. His little body could not come back from it. He had the MRI that Friday, October 7th, and died that Saturday night, just two and a half days after being admitted to the ER. We are in complete shock and disbelief. We asked for the medical records, and after two weeks, we finally got them. Needless to say, they didn't bring us any solace. If anything, it just brought us more questions, regret, and pain. One of your podcasts talks about how we make every decision in our pets' lives, which is why we feel so responsible in the end. I don't blame my husband at all. I blame myself because I've heard the warnings for years, whereas my husband is not as into the dog stuff as I am, though he loved Frankie beyond measure and is shattered with the loss. Why did I allow this procedure? I panicked just as Frankie needed me with a calm and logical mind, the most. I've heard you and others talk about forgiving oneself for the mistakes of a human and reminding my, oneself that the decision was made with love and with the information you had at the time. I cannot accept any of those consolations because I feel like I should have known better, and I did not give the decision the proper amount of time to think about it. I felt rushed by the doctor and the warnings of irreversible damage. I still ignored my gut feeling. I ignored it not once with the decision to go ahead with the anesthesia, but twice when I also wanted to pull him from the ER. That is completely on me, and Frankie paid the ultimate price for my poor judgment. I will live with this regret forever. I feel I killed my beloved Frankie with my terrible decision. I don't know how to move past this. I'm usually so deliberate, conservative, and this time, when it mattered, I panicked and I didn't listen to my instinct, and now my beautiful boy is gone. I knew he didn't have that much time left. If he had lived another six to 12 months, that would have been a gift. But I wanted him for every day I could have him. I'm beside myself that we weren't there with him when he died. He spent the last two and a half days in a cold cage in the ER, surrounded by no one he knew, feeling scared and alone and uncomfortable. No one attending to him or telling him how loved he was. The last time we saw him before the MRI, he was wearing a cone and was drugged up. I gave him tons of pettings and kisses, but I didn't hug him. I even thought of taking him home at that moment, but I didn't. The next time we saw him after the MRI was not his, himself. He was laying there like a dead dog, occasionally barking out, almost as an impulse. I will forever wonder if he was calling out to me on some level, telling me to bring him home so he could be with us. Every day of his life was like a beautiful fairy tale together. I always thought he would have a fairy tale ending, whatever that looks like in death. I thought maybe he'd pass in his sleep or we'd be holding his paw crying and telling him how perfect he is as we helped him across the bridge. 
I never imagined that I would make a decision that would hasten his death and that he would be alone and suffering when he died. It's been five weeks since his death. What would have been his 15th birthday is in two days. I thought I'd make some salmon, his favorite, but it just feels wrong. I can't celebrate the day, but I also can't let it pass unacknowledged. My family and I will likely look at pictures, maybe share some favorite memories. I contacted a senior dog rescue and will bring some donations over to them, including some unopened cans of his kidney diet food. For Christmas, I will still hang his stocking and buy dog gifts to donate to the local senior dog rescue afterwards. I'll make a donation in his name to Cairn Terrier Rescue USA. I ordered some snowflake ornaments that you can put a picture in. I'll print some pictures of his Cairn friends and mail them out to his friends. One for Frankie as well, of course. It will be hard to decorate the tree without him. He would always look in the ornament box for tissue paper to, sh to shred. <laughs> We have a Cairn Terrier tree topper that he would help, in parentheses, to place on top of the tree. I don't know what to do with it. We'll probably still place it on top. Meanwhile, I'll continue to sleep with Frankie's baby blanket, look for signs of him each day, take walks, and listen to your podcast as I continue to manage through my grief and guilt. The grief is getting less acute. I never believed it would, but somehow it's getting less grueling. The guilt, however, I simply cannot shake. I don't know if it requires more time or if I'll always have the heavy weight in my heart. I just don't know. Right now, I can't forgive myself for my carelessness. Anyway, thank you for reading my story. You're right. It did help me to write it down. I'm so grateful to you both. May you have a blessed holiday season. Warmest wishes, Kara. And she attached the picture. So, wow. So what, what I hear in this is what we've heard so many times, times. these people are so thoughtful and they're listening Generous. to the specialists Excellent. and the specialist tells them if you don't do this procedure you you might very well have irreversible damage and so, so what does that do right i mean you're petrified about that so i i i hate to hear people berating themselves for what seems to me like the most rational decision one could make under the circumstances. Right. And, and I think that this is something that grief does. It, 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 it distorts Torts. the mm -hmm. way we think about things so that we can blame ourselves or blame somebody because it's just so hard to imagine that we have really not, we have nothing to do a, you know, this, this is out of our control. That's right. <laughs> it's just way out of our control. And so it's, I think, I think it's human nature to feel like maybe it's better to blame ourselves than to feel that deep kind of uncertainty about the existential realities of our lives and our, our loved ones' lives. No, it's, I think that's very true. I also, look, there's complications here as there always is in grieving First of all, the anxiety someone feels, we've all gone through that in an ER, mm -hmm. having that pressure to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that I, I can feel how, how she and her husband are struggling yep. with yep. what to do, yep. getting the information, but also at the same time, it's so incredibly emotional. Yep. Because you 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 feel like you have his life on the line. 
right? And yet, and you do, you do, we do, right? And so, but the vets are 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 telling you, no, look, this is not going to be a criticism of veterinarians, but you know, veterinarians are make the best decisions they can right, during right, a period right. of time, right? Now right. that necessarily may not work, but that's what their opinion is. Um, I do think though, it's hard to hear something that you have to make a decision in. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, but that's what always happens Yes. at this stage of crisis. It's what, yeah. it's what always happens. Your animal goes into some kind of dire physical crisis. You bring them to ultimately the emergency vet and they tell you in their very clinical way, <laughs> Yes. What your options are. And then you have to decide. And were I told that if this were my pet, and by the way, I've had elderly dogs who have survived anesthesia because they had rotting teeth, essentially. They needed teeth removed. And so we had to make the decision and we knew that they were old and and in, in at least one case were struggling with congestive heart failure but they were well-maintained and they, and they survived, but it could have gone the other way. It could have gone the other way. And so here you have what, what I take away here is that here was a dog who was, we were thinking that Frankie was probably in pain, Mm -hmm. most likely from what was going on with, with his back and that this might help. This might make it so that he would be mobile again. He would be able to move around of his own volition and so honestly, I'm sure I would have done the same thing. I mean, I'm sure of it because I would have wanted the option for him to have more quality of life right. rather than to be impaired in such a profound way that might be very, very painful. But you said it right a, a, a few a few minutes ago was that, you know, you take what you can, what you take in what you um, believe might be the best in the context of what's given to you. Sure. And so, but the problem is that there's no guarantee about any of it. Right. And and we don't, we don't hindsight always can be, can be crushing when the the result is their passing. Right. So we expect that they're likely to survive when we make that decision because the vet wouldn't have suggested it if there wasn't a really good chance that they would survive. They're not going to suggest something that they think is likely to cost the animal its life. They're going to suggest something that in most every case, it actually it actually works. And, and there are, you know, there's always this risk and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's risk in, in, risk in, what, was, in what was done, but there was great hope and there was a, a probability that it would go in the other direction. But then when it, when this happens, then all the misgivings, because, you know, again and again, we see this, this situation where hindsight is crushing. Yes, every is, time it is. It, it, hindsight is, mm-hmm. oh my God, I made the wrong decision. Right. Whereas how many times in Frankie's life did Kara and her husband's decisions keep his life going? He, went, he had a lot of problems. He had a lot of he had disease. And they he had to make decisions diabetic. all the time yeah. about 
when to get when to bring to the vet and, and right. whether to follow seizures. the advice, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And they did they they followed the best advice they had, and it probably prolonged his life a great deal. And then and then this happened. He was almost 15, which is really, I mean, he was days away from being 15, it seems yeah. like that's that's quite elderly for any mm-hmm. dog. But it, it, like you said, it's easy for us, oh, the best, the best pet parents, right? Yeah. That yeah. we will blame ourselves, right? Yeah, and we will feel guilty. Been, yeah, our, our, our thoughts are no match for the irrationality that we experience when we're grieving. We, mm-hmm. when we, the most conscientious pet guardians like Kara and like the people who, other people who have written to us are just hellish toward ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, stuff happens. We just beat ourselves ourselves up, up. (laughs) and and no matter what we say about it, it's probably not going to change it that much. I do think that it helps somewhat to say, "Look, you know, we did the best we could under the circumstances. Yes, the decisions were were pressured because they were very time sensitive, and there is an element of panic. But these do not sound like people." who are easily, who are tremendously flustered. They make, yeah. they make conscientious, deliberate decisions, and sometimes they have to be made quickly. And so after the fact, the people who give the kind of care that Karen or her husband give are all about uh, what should, woulda, shoulda, coulda. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, that's just the way it is. The more mm-hmm. loving and caring you are, the more likely you are to revisit and, you know, and Look go over, over, over and over and over, over and over again. Yeah. Ruminate about what you could have done differently. Yeah. That you really caused your your beloved death. And that's, you know, we want people to know that the guilt is is one of the hardest, hardest emotions that you'll go through in grieving. Yeah. And they, um, they gave Frankie a brilliant life. They gave yeah. Frankie a wonderful life. Absolutely. And, and Without a doubt. There's no way that that he would have regrets about the life. No, and he and he didn't even. I mean, our our beloved companion animals don't regret. They're not. They don't have malice. They don't judge. Yeah. It was what happened. Yeah. And yeah. so, Karen, her husband, though, are we want them to know that they were the best. They were the best, and we thank them for sharing because yeah, it's a lot to lots of people who will hear this, and hopefully, they're going to say. They're going to be able to say that Kara and her husband did a wonderful job. And maybe in their kindness to Kara and her husband, they can direct more of that kindness and gentleness toward themselves. Because we can often be much more, much more aware and kind toward others when we're ripping ourselves apart for something very simple. Well, we, we talked a lot. Everyone would come in, right, Ken, in the group, and would talk about guilt. Yeah. And we yeah, would yeah. say, look, we can't take it away from you, but we hope that at some point in time that you can forgive. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and because you you gave your animal an absolutely wonderful life. Absolutely. So we want to thank Kara for sending this letter. Thank you so much for your generosity and and being willing to, to be vulnerable with us and with the, the listeners here. And I, I would like to, to, I know we're probably going to go a little over our 30 minutes, but Hey, we can do that if we want. Yes, we can. So I would like to share 
I would like for us to share Brittany's story. Because yeah, it's really good. interesting, and it it gives a whole different sort of way of thinking about yes, death. and it, it's interesting because Kara talks about what they had hoped would be the passing of Frankie, like their vision yeah. of how it might happen. And Brittany actually describes an understanding of what happened that is sort of a mirror for what Kara's talking about. So so I'll read it and okay. then we'll go from there. This is from Brittany. Hi, guys. I came across your podcast immediately after losing my precious King Charles Spaniel, Mia. I am a huge believer and advocate for mental health awareness as I started seeing a therapist several months ago and it has turned my life around completely. First of all, thank you. Thank you for your, all your work for us humans in better understanding and coping with life after pet loss. Your work is so incredibly thorough and has already become a huge part of my healing since this past Wednesday. I feel like years have passed since November 2nd, but I've already gone through so much since and wanted to share our story while the wound is fresh on my heart. Mia was 11 and a half years young and was my first baby. I'd always grown up with dogs and cats, but she was truly the first baby that I owned when I was in my mid-20s. She was there with me for my single days as a young professional, through my battle with health issues and work stress, through meeting my now husband, Kevin, through multiple moves to apartments mm -hmm. and to our first house, through the birth of our two children, Lane, who is now four, and Layla, who is two, through the COVID pandemic, which allowed me to work from home for good with her by my side until her last day on earth. Since listening to your number six episode, which discusses the afterlife and souls of our pets, I wanted to share a very special part of Mia's passing that took place this past Wednesday morning. We woke up to get ready for our normal day of work and school, and Mia had been laying on her side, foaming at the mouth, while her heart raced and raced. I immediately had my parents who live nearby, thank God, come over to take care of the kids while Kevin and I raced her in the car to head to the ER vet. I sort of instinctively knew this was it for her. So I grabbed my grandmother's blanket and her favorite toy to cuddle her in the car mm, with. So nice. The next 15 minutes in the car was such a godsend because of what happened next. There was so much traffic due to the morning rush hour, so we took the back roads toward the vet hospital. There was still a lot of traffic and construction on that route too, so it was very aggravating that we couldn't get to the ER as quickly as I had hoped. I had pulled my phone out to see if there was a different route on my Google Maps app, and as I was typing, my phone completely froze. And not in the way that some apps froze or crash but it went totally still for a solid five minutes. I put the phone, the phone down, and it was then that I realized my Mia's soul was lifting as I held her sweet body. I put my hand under her chest, and I felt her heart completely stop. And wouldn't you believe that the exact location this happened on our route was right next to the hospital building where both my babies were born? Mm. It's incredible that even in that moment, I knew this was a miracle story, a miracle ending to her life on earth. When we eventually came home that day, we drove the same route back home, which is also the way we brought both our newborn babies home from the hospital in 2018 and 2020. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, I remember thinking. 
I just wanted to share my very firm belief, even as a Protestant Christian, that the Lord has a very special place at the end of life for all his creatures, both human and animal. I find peace knowing that I will indeed hold her again on the other side one day. It's a joy and a privilege to share my story with you both. And then Brittany. Well, thank you, Brittany. I mean, that was such a sad but uplifting really, right? really story. Beautiful, beautiful way of, yeah. of understanding the cycle of life and the That's end right. of her beloved pet's life. And it's just a, it's such a, it's such a, an honor to share this story. I just think it's really brilliant. And yes, thank you, Brittany. I mean, the, the kismet, the connection, the, um, what's another word that I can use of all of that coming together, you know, of watching me as spirit and then looking up and knowing that your two children were born at the same place in where they were driving. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So why don't we close there? And we'd like to thank Kara and Brittany Brittany for sharing. And we will look forward to talking with you again next week. I'll look forward to talking with you again next week, Nancy. Of course. (laughs) Take care. Take care.